gift is a seed. You can easily be the change that we need. Keep your mind alert and your heart with peace. Be the change that we want to see. Yeah, go and share your gift, yeah, your gift is a seed. You can easily be the change that we need. Keep your mind alert and fill your heart with peace. Be the change that we want to see. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Mentality Unchained. I'm your host, Kevin Thomas, the therapist. Uh, today, I have a special guest, uh, Dr. Reverend Kenneth uh, E. Uh, Copeland. And so I want to welcome him uh, to the show. Uh, doctor, pastor, <laughs> welcome. Uh, he told me to call him pastor, but you know I have to give him that respect. I couldn't call him by his first name. There's no way. Um, so Dr. Copeland, Pastor Copeland, uh, is here, and he is uh, a local uh, pastor, and I, you're a lawyer too, right? Yes. He's a lawyer, and so um, we're going to talk to him today a little bit about mental health, uh, about what's going on in the community, how he feels about some uh, some of the things that are happening uh, in the Rockford region. So welcome, uh, Dr. Reverend Pastor Copeland. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming, sir. So as I was reading your bio, it says that you were on the um, board of an advanced Illinois a statewide educational policy advocacy organization. You're still on that, right? Yes, I am. Okay. And then you're also the treasurer for the mental health board. The local, yeah, Winnebago County Mental Health Board. Okay. So what does that entail? Like, I mean, I know you're the treasurer, but what does that board entail? So you'll remember, I believe it was a couple of years ago now, Winnebago County, we voted to have out, we voted for a one cent sales tax, half a cent sales tax. Yes, yeah, I remember that. To be able to fund mental health programming here in the county. So the board is that statutorily created agency or entity mm -hmm. in Winnebago County that directs where that money goes. So we okay. receive uh, proposals for mental health services, particularly those mental health services that sort of fit a, a, a continuum of care model and they fill in gaps that okay. have previously not been filled in. Okay. So hmm. by God's grace, um, things like the co-responder okay. uh, program mm -hmm. with the city and the um, Rockford police. Okay. Uh, I don't, there's too many to name, but right. programs like that okay. to you guys expand mental services. So with the sales tax money, we're able to provide grants to various uh -oh. agencies or groups to help fill in the gaps in mental health. So how long that program been going, that committee has been going? About a year. Basically, this is our, f we're starting our second grant cycle. So basically a year and a half. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so my first question to you is like, how does a lawyer and a pastor uh, get into the realm of mental health? Well, it's, the short answer is that I recognize that you cannot be, as a pastor, I recognize you can't be spiritually healthy if you're not mentally and emotionally healthy. Mm -hmm. As a lawyer, or I don't practice law right now, I'm full-time pastoring, mm -hmm. but because of my background, I'm able to interact with the criminal justice system and for the last 15 years been working with reentry mm -hmm. and all those types of things, citizens returning from the Department of Corrections. Okay, yeah. And so, in all, and 
obviously been working in the educational system too. My uh, wife and daughter teach over at Lewis Lemon. And not only with Advance Illinois, the statewide organization, but I was a founding governing board chairman for Alignment Rockford, Mm -hmm. the local public public school support organization. And in all of these arenas, one of the common denominators I've seen is untreated trauma or people who um, either culturally or personally are uh, reticent, adverse to somehow or another, not taking advantage of the mental health resources that are available. And then by not taking advantage of that, we see trauma just duplicating or multiplying yeah. across the generations or not just for lack of a better word, linearly mm-hmm. through a family, but communally yeah. uh, across families. Yeah. And so I started probably eight to 10 years ago, decided to just do a listening tour within the church, invite whoever wanted to, to come in and sit down and talk to me for about 30 minutes with no agenda. I'm not going to counsel you. I'm not going to give any guidance. Just want to hear you talk. Mm-hmm. And the response was overwhelming. Number one, the average person was talking more than an hour. And number two, I started hearing stories and mm-hmm. hearing uh, this underlying theme of abuse, whether it be sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. domestic abuse, just sort of in my little congregation. And then as I have been working in other arenas, I'm hearing the same things. I'm like, man, we got to do something different. We got to figure out a way I'm talking about from the church's perspective Mm -hmm. to do. And this is the only thing I've been trying to do for the last five to eight years. And that is normalize talking about mental health and take the stigma away from it. Yeah. I taught a Sunday school series last fall. You're not crazy. You're just human. And just went through all of the ways that biblical characters, um, whether Elijah with depression, whether it be uh, Jeremiah with anxiety, all these biblical characters are not myths. They're not fables. They were human beings just like us. Yeah. The Bible is very clear that the things that, that have been written down were written down for our encouragement. So I, and on top of that, I have a very close friend, strange enough, literally just had a lunch with her, who's a uh, licensed counselor from Costa Rica. She's getting her credentials here. Yeah. Okay. And so we did a few little YouTube videos on the intersection between theology and psychology yeah. to help people to understand that some stuff you just can't pray away. It's not enough <laughs> just come shout at church, you know, and you, you, it's not that you're suffering because you don't have enough faith. There's some things that are that are clinical or hormonal or uh, that require some measure of a therapy that might even include uh, pharmaceutics, but it's not enough just to pray. It's not that prayer doesn't work, but in some cases there's more going on than just you haven't prayed hard enough. It's, it's, it's so refreshing that you as a pastor, you see that from that perspective because a lot of, to be honest with you, a lot of pastors uh, don't see it that way. Right. And so for you to see it that way, I think that brings a lot of integrity to the church altogether because we are human. That's it. And, and a pastor is human. And so he has to see it from other ways as well. And, and quite frankly, the other thing, too, because I literally was just uh, in Atlanta <laughs> with a group of pastors and bigwigs. And we were talking about some of the failures that we see in mm. the clergy and 
the reason that some people are not going to church or coming back to church has nothing to do with the church is they see hypocrisy or they see something going on in the leadership. And my argument was that a lot of that is untreated trauma. And yep. so when you got untreated trauma and then you put it on a platform, mm-hmm. you're going to spread trauma. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. You're going to spread trauma, and that's what we have right now. We have a lot of bad teaching, Mm -hmm. teaching that suggests that somehow or another, if you're depressed, you're discouraged, if something's going on in your life, you're not joyful, that that means that you don't have enough faith or whatever. When in point of fact, the whole book of Psalms, the biggest book in the Bible, Mm -hmm. is literally a catalog of the full range of human emotions. There's no emotion. There's nothing they you can experience that there's not a song about it. And God put that in the center of the Bible. Wow. So that even when Jesus, now think about this, we <laughs> celebrated last Sunday, Easter. resurrection yeah, Sunday. Right, right. And most churches had seven last words. Think about that. Several of the seven last words were Jesus quoting songs from Psalms. <laughs> my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Yeah. He just quoting a song. Right. From Psalm 22. You know, Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit. He quoted in Psalm 31. I mean, Jesus, Jesus now, he went through the full range of human emotions, and yet he's God and very God. So how is it that we got more mm. holy than Jesus <laughs> if Jesus had to pray and he had to have prayer partners? Uh-huh. He brought the fellas in and said, hey, my heart, hey, I'm in such anguish. Yeah. I'm almost, almost to the point of death. I need y'all to come and pray with He had a friendship portfolio. And he brought them together and said, hey, just pray with me. I need you to pray with me. Wow. If he had to do that, how do you think you're just going to skate on into heaven anyhow? And you ain't, <laughs> ain't shed a tear. Jesus cried. Mm. You ain't shed a tear. You ain't open up to nobody to tell them how you really feel so they can pray with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, haven't called on help in addition to prayer. That is so profound because, and, I say, and I, I've said this on my other shows as well. I've had the privilege of um, doing therapy with some pastors. Mm -hmm. The only thing about that is they've been Caucasian. Mm. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I've yet to have a African-American pastor come and seek help. Yeah. So what's the disconnect with that? Again, bad teaching that (laughs) is somehow another that, you know, whatever's going on, you just need to pray harder or mm-hmm. you need to try harder or whatever that pride, you know, and this whole stigma about if you if you go to a therapist, or if you seek counsel or whatever, you're, you're saying you're crazy and I'm not crazy. And then sometimes just a lack of awareness of the resources that are available. Yeah. But I have been literally we just ordained somebody uh, here in town mm-hmm. with about three two or three weeks ago Mm -hmm. and I've made it a public policy and everybody knows it now. I'm not ordaining deacons, ministers. I'm not laying hands on anybody else who can't tell me who their therapists are. I have one. Okay. I'll tell you who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Who's yours. I want to know. I was with pastors yesterday. I I asked a young pastor. He's going through some things. I said, well, who's your, your doctor, your general practitioner, Oh, doctor. So-and-so who's your dentist. Mm -hmm. So-and-so so-and-so. Okay, who's your therapist? He looked at me blank. I said, see, now you got a problem. <laughs> so you mean to tell me you yep. got somebody that is Absolutely. taking care of the physical. Yep. You got somebody that is monitoring your dental, mm-hmm. but you ain't got nobody monitoring your mm-hmm. emotional, emotion, your emotional, mental, yeah. spiritual, and how that connects. Mm-hmm. Every pastor needs counsel mm-hmm. because we're counseling other people. And we don't want to spread. We, want, we don't want to infect mm. 
people with our trauma. Wow. And you cannot, you have no business counseling other people when you don't have a counselor. What kind of doctor are you? You ain't got no doctor. There's <laughs> doctors I, on you. Matter of fact, my doctor, I, so Dr. Washington, Charles uh -huh, Washington, yep, he just retired. Yep, uh -huh. He's my doctor. I said, Doc, who do you go to? <laughs> he said, I go to doctors. I said, that's who I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I, and I, I, I love that. I just, I, I, for the life of me, I don't know what it's going to take though. It, 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 and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this mental health forum, I'm hoping a lot of black pastors come out because just what you're saying, we, we need to take a grasp of that and, 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 and say, okay, I'm, I'm okay, but I need someone to kind of release to. That's it. That's it. It's not, cause here's what I've been focused on the last two years. And this literally every Sunday school class, whatever scripture I'm teaching, we start out every Sunday school class. Uh, you can go on Facebook and see it by asking, okay. How are you doing today? Mm -hmm. Type in one word, one phrase. And the reason I do it, and I explain it every Sunday. The reason I do it is because you have agency and you don't just have to feel something. Name it. Yes. First, use your agency to use your words to name where you are. Don't just say I'm in a bad mood. Well, mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? Are you irritated, frustrated, aggravated? Yeah. Articulate yeah. and use your words so that you can take agency and say, okay, now why am I feeling this way? Did I get enough sleep? Have I been eating right? Mm -hmm. Am I being reminded of something? Has something triggered? Yeah. Uh, what's going on that would allow me to feel this way instead of just watching yourself feeling and yeah. then you don't process it. Then you have the opportunity to do, to do the second thing we do every Sunday and say, okay, now let's recalibrate. What was the best thing that happened to you this past week? Okay. Cause here's where theology and psychology interact in this sense. Mm -hmm. God has given us agency. And if I can reflect I can set the thermostat. So here's how the Bible would say it. Mm -hmm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt the, his name together. For this poor man cried out and the Lord delivered him from all his fears. What is the psalmist doing there? Mm -hmm. He's making a conscious decision to take agency over his emotions. I will bless the Lord regardless of what's happening. Mm -hmm. He's called in the community. Mm -hmm to help him with that. And then he's reflecting on how good God is being already. I cried out to God and he delivered me. So what has he done? He has set his own thermostat yeah. as it relates to how he's going to, yes, he to navigate. Now, the old folk would say it in shorthand. When I think about the goodness of Jesus <laughs> and all he's done for me, that's reflection. Mm -hmm. My soul cries out. Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Now I, I it, it changes how I'm viewing things. When I frame it right. So are you saying that a lot of the 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 individuals that are in those positions are not um, digging deep enough? Or do you think their perspective is off a little bit? What do you it's, think? It's off a little bit. They're not making the connections. They're gotcha. not connecting the dots. Gotcha. It's not that they're not digging dip, deep enough. It's that they keep the Bible sort of as a, a mystic book mm -hmm. that is that is ethereal as opposed to recognize, no, these were actual humans yeah. and they've recorded what they recorded. Think about it. Most of the Psalms is just a journal. Yeah. This is what happened. David was caught in a cave. So people was looking to, that's literally what Psalm 34, the background is. He was, somebody was looking to kill him. He was on the run and he sat down and wrote while he was in a cave. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm gonna bless the Lord. And he went through that whole thing. But the bottom line is he emptied his emotions. And what we do is we divorce scripture from context. Therefore, we don't see how it fits our context. So 
we don't recognize, okay, this person was anxious or they were frustrated or they were irritated or they were under duress when they wrote this because we don't recognize that context. We don't see how that same scripture would apply to us yeah. when we're feeling that way. Wow. The other thing is we don't take from scripture. We don't connect the dots within scripture as it relates to even why somebody would feel the way they're describing. Mm-hmm. Perfect example is Elijah. Elijah in first uh, Kings, he has done some great work and he, he runs, the Bible says he runs for 17 miles. He gets out in the desert. He tells his servant to leave him alone. He isolates himself. And then he sits up under a bush and he prays God would just take his life. Okay. Suicidal ideation. Yes. Based on what though? Number one, Hebrew, you've been running for 17 miles, <laughs> tired, Yeah. then isolated yourself. You have a servant that's there to serve you, but you send him away and you haven't eaten or slept or hydrated yourself. So Absolutely. when the angel shows up, what does the angel do? You need to dig deeper into scripture. No, you need to try harder. No, you need more faith. No, what does the angel do? Get up, eat. <laughs> this little pancake <laughs> drink some water then lay your fat head back down <laughs> he does it he gets up again the angel said no you still your sleep bank still has not be, been replaced right right eat some more lay back down drink some water why because you've been running you you've isolated yourself all these types of things so we don't even make the connection in scripture Therefore, we don't make the connection in our lives that sometimes yeah. the reason I'm feeling a certain way, I'm not, I haven't been taking care of my body. Yeah. So guess what? Every Sunday, just every, literally every Sunday, we end with eat your colors, mm. drink more water, yeah. move your body, mm-hmm. then lay your fat head down. That's our mantra Gotcha. because all of that impacts you emotionally, Absolutely. mentally, and spiritually. So sometimes we're not thinking clear because we're dehydrated. We mm-hmm. haven't even... Uh, taking uh, account of our blood sugar levels and all those types of things when Mm -hmm. you're, or we have, we're sleep deprivated and we haven't really slept well. And so then we're wondering why we're feeling certain ways or thinking certain ways or acting out certain ways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's our friendship portfolio. We've isolated ourselves. We haven't connected with our refreshing friends Mm -hmm. and therefore we're feeling certain ways. So all of that is literally in scripture and it's not that we're not, studying the Hebrew or Greek well enough is that we're not paying attention to the fact that these were people, yeah. actual people yeah. that the scripture has recorded and that God in his sovereign grace, as he is reclaiming the world back to himself, used real people just like us mm-hmm. who had real problems. And if we can pay attention to their real problems, maybe he can speak to us in our real problems. That is, um, it's complex. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, for you to be able to dissect that and look at it from that lens, um, you're you're anomaly because you, everyone don't do that. And and I'm speaking in terms of religious leaders because it's it is the to be honest with you, it is pray about it. And so there becomes a thin line for the the Christian or whoever the religious is is to differentiate between their their religion and actual psychology yeah and so but you the way you put it is so like it's right there it makes sense and it's relevant it's relevant and it's not to deny so the other dimension that I, I forgot to uh, to refer to is the fact that I'm in no way denying that there's spiritual realities and spiritual warfare gotcha. going on yeah yes. 
there is an enemy. There, there are unseen forces that impact us. Yeah. But sometimes we give them to the devil too much credit. You know, uh, I'm late. It's old tardy demon. No, you need to get to bed earlier. Right. You know, and right. get up. Or this old, you know, this old fat demon. No, you need to stay out of Cinnabon. You, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I love Cinnabon, by the way. <laughs> and so we'll do stuff. This is, this is how the saints do it. We order up a whole bunch of stuff we know we ain't supposed to eat. That's why I try to make it simple. Eat your colors. I'm uh-huh. not telling you watch your diet. I'm saying look at your plate, and if there's no color on your plate. That's right. And fried is not a color. Right. Then you're not eating right. Okay, that's that's simple. You can't say you don't right. understand. <laughs> right. Because here's what the saints would do. They'll go to beef room, order up a whole bunch of, uh-huh. you know, whatever. <laughs> The chili cheese fries with extra chili and cheese and yep. this, that, and other, and then sit in it and have nerve enough to say, Lord, bless this food. Uh-huh. So what God's supposed to do with that? <laughs> when beef root, they got steamed broccoli. They yep. got veggies. They we got, don't want that. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> we don't want to pray on the front end, Lord, what should I eat? Uh-huh. Okay, let yeah. me get some colors. Yeah. We'd rather pray. We want what we want, and then we want Lord to bless it gotcha. afterwards, that type of thing. So it's something as simple as that yeah. to recognize that our spirituality needs to have legs. It needs to work on pavement level. It's mm-hmm. not a Sunday morning experience. It's literally how you treat your body, how you treat your friendships and mm-hmm. relationships, because all of that impacts us absolutely, emotionally, uh, mentally, as well as ultimately spiritually. And you cannot divorce the three, the, yeah. the four, the, the spiritual, the mental, emotional, and the physical, because mm-hmm. each one will impact the other. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. depending on how you're depending upon how you're looking at it. So it's not the, I think that we can turn the tide. Mm -hmm. I think that it's just going to take conversations like this Mm -hmm. summits, like uh, what you have planned for May and this opportunity for preachers and pastors and leaders Mm -hmm. in general, just to recognize that, okay, here's how I'm approaching it. Let's talk about mental hygiene. Yep. So dental hygiene, don't you, you brush your teeth. You don't wait till. Hopefully, you don't wait till. You know, you need a root canal. You to go to the dentist. Right. You go prevention every six months or yep. whatever to prevention, so that he can catch stuff. Bef- she can catch stuff before it's Absolutely. a cavity or problem. Absolutely. And my argument has been, and again, this is why we don't. We're not ordaining anybody. We're not laying hands on anybody. We're not rising anybody to leadership who is not attending to dent. Who is not attending to mental hygiene? Tell me who you're therapist is how's therapy going all those types of things tell me even more so about your friendship because it's not just here's the other thing it's not just about therapy Mm -hmm. it's about community yeah that's what the church is supposed to be a healing community Mm -hmm. yeah you need a professional but you also need a a community around you to help you put into practice whatever the therapist says a therapist or counselor might say you need to you need more boundaries you need to attend to your boundaries or whatever well I might know that, but I don't have the strength to do that. <laughs> but if I got friends uh-huh. Uh-huh. that'll hold me accountable and pray for me and all that kind of stuff, and even the Bible, if you read it right, says that. Confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. <laughs> how, how much more simple can you can it get to that? There's some stuff you ain't going to overcome in isolation. You got to have community. Uh, I, I'm so excited. I got like a, a ton of questions, but we, but I can't I can't move off that subject because I think it, this is so needed. It's it's like this conversation is long overdue mm. because here's 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 what I'm getting um, after the COVID after uh, COVID nineteen hit. Mm. Uh, I had an upsurge of of pastors coming in and they just didn't understand. 
Like, how do I still reach my parishioners or how do I deal with it myself? Right. And so how did you deal with your church with the pandemic before, after, during? How did you deal with that? Three things. Number one, and all of these things impact not just the ongoing function and mission of the church, but specifically as it relates to mental health. Number one, we started immediately a 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. prayer conference call, but we use it as a check-in. Mm-hmm. So you call in, whichever one, some people call in on both, but generally people call in, particularly the ones, our elders who don't, who maybe don't like to use computers or yeah. whatever, they could call in and we could literally, the purpose of it was not just to pray, but to see, okay, where you at, how you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if we miss you, we know that, and this has happened. Yeah. Somebody doesn't call in for a day or two, like, okay, was anybody heard from so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody get over there or let's check on her, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So communication. Gotcha. The other thing was we started, we, we had already had before that uh, 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 automatic whatever you want to call it, robo call that would go out yeah. twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. Just words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the latest that we understand about the pandemic because particularly in the thick of the thing, there's so much information or contrary information yeah. or whatever. People were just anxious. So it was useful. We found to reassure people that, Hey, this is the latest information we have from the County, you know, from the city. And this is how we're processing that. Mm-hmm. This is what this means for you. Yeah. So, to put a finer point on it, basically constant communication mm-hmm. to try to keep people aware of what's happening and gave, giving them an opportunity via phone through, uh, we put all our Sunday school, I mean, our um, Bible study and a weekly check-in on Zoom mm-hmm. so people could see one another's faces and yeah. we could make sure that everybody was all right. On top of that, we have the the congregation divided into basically sections based on alphabet in every, we call them ministry action teams. There's deacons and lay people whose responsibility it is to check on people. We're not waiting for you to call in. We're not waiting for you to get on the Zoom call. Yeah. Twice a month, somebody's going to call your house mm-hmm. to find out, okay, how you doing and how can we pray for you? So literally the key for us has been to use as many as, and as as many varied means of staying connected as possible yep. until we could open back up. Yep. So now we're open back up. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a vaccination clinic at the church. Pretty much everybody's vaccinated, but we gotcha. still wear our mask yeah. and we're back in yeah. the building right now. Yeah. So that's what helped us. So what about personally? How did, what do you do? Per, I heard you talk about you had a therapist, but what did you do personally so, to help you through this? So, so I have a team. So like I have a, primary therapist, but then I have two friends who are a therapist, Mm -hmm. but then I have, so to answer your question as succinctly as possible, I tried to attend to my friendship portfolio. What I mean by that is, yeah, I have professional people that I go to, and at least a couple of them are in my friendship circle, but the friendship circle that I have, my refreshing friends, we would, uh, Man, for most of the pandemic, we would get together like once a m- month on Zoom, mm-hmm. but we're just like almost daily mm-hmm. on a uh, chat. Okay, a uh, group, group chat. Group chat. Okay, pray you know, pray for me here. Oh man, I'm feeling this. Yeah, da, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And once again, it was just trying to keep the lines of communication open. Yeah. 
and maintaining those friendships where I could be completely vulnerable and transparent, tightening them up. In mm-hmm. other words, say maybe a friend that I know that I can talk to and share what I'm, what I'm feeling. Maybe before the pandemic, I might have talked to him once a month. Now I'm talking to him every week. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I tell people I tell people all the time that um, any type of uh, mental health provider should always encourage you to have a support system. You have to always have a support system. You have to have someone that holds you accountable as well. Right. And a lot of times people get into uh, therapy and they depend more on their therapist. I used to get calls in the middle of the night and my wife was like. Uh, who was that? You know, <laughs> and I was like, so I had to actually get a, a, a separate phone, yeah, because they were just calling me, and so, but then I had to set boundaries. That's it. And so, a lot of times that a lot uh, when they come into counseling, they don't have the support system. But but to that, are you finding a lot of your parishioners not having feeling like they have a, a support system? Yeah, and so we spend we've been spending a lot of time trying to address that okay. in terms of the because it's. In order to be healthy in the long term, whether you're talking about any of these, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. even physically, we know yeah. that if you're going to be healthy in the long run, you, not, you need to learn the art and discipline of developing and maintaining healthy relationships. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, some of my parishioners, I, I believe, did kind of feel that, but we spent a lot of time trying to foster, mm-hmm. uh, not just within the church, but even outside relationships because sometimes you need people that don't even think like you yeah but still care about you yeah uh they can speak into your life and help you with balance Mm -hmm. as well as some boundaries because sometimes even church can help you be out of bounds gotcha whoa because i I grew up in a situation we talk my wife and i talk about all the time one of the church the church where we met uh in terms of life rhythm it was way out of bounds i mean literally (laughs) We had church all day. I mean, we'd get there, get there eight thirty. Uh, service ain't gonna get over till two two thirty. Then we got afternoon program. I'm a musician too, so yeah. I had to play. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Afternoon service, then evening service. Got to be back Monday for discipleship. Tuesday for choir choir right. and Wednesday for prayer meeting. Thursday and basically the schedule was so packed out. It's like okay, well, when do we have time to apply anything that we learning? Yeah, it was yeah. really. And I understand the impetus. The impetus was, I mean, particularly in the city where we were living, there was so much going on around us, wickedness going on around us. Mm-hmm. The the idea was, you know, have an enclave yeah. here. And I get yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, I understand the impetus, but at the same time, we're supposed to be salt and light, too. So you can't keep the salt in the salt shaker. You got to... <laughs> Spread it, right? You gotta spread Sprinkle it out. It out. Sometimes you got to live and uh-huh. you got to be around people who are not Christians. This is counterintuitive, but Christians need to be around some non-Christians sometimes because they challenge you mm-hmm. as it relates to your faith. You get out of this Christianese where you're just talking language mm-hmm. that don't nobody understand, but people to go to your church. Gotcha. And uh, it just adds variety to life. Some yeah. people I've met are not in Christ yet. Right. Obviously, I'm praying for them, and mm-hmm. that's my desire that they would come to know him as I know him. Mm-hmm. But I still love them, and they love me, and they've added value to my life, and I hope that I add value to theirs. Wow. I, I, I'm glad you said that. Uh, but I want to shift gears. Um, so um, I'm starting my dissertation on epigenetic trauma. Mm. And uh, a lot of people don't understand 
the depths of where trauma comes from. Right. And so I'm finding out through my studies um, that a lot of trauma is genetically mm-hmm. uh, induced. And I started to look back at myself. A lot of stuff that I was dealing with, my parents may have dealt with. Right. And so what I'm seeing now, though, is that not enough people are searching for where their um, symptoms are coming from. Right. And so they're all of a sudden saying, oh, I, I'm like this. or I'm like this. Well, you're not just like that. It come from some, come from a place. Right. And so I'm starting to fi- find that out now. The more study that I'm doing. That people are not understanding. Some of this is passed down. That's true. What's your What's your thoughts and opinion about uh, the trauma that is being passed down that we're not acknowledging? So, I think first of all, I'm very glad to hear that that's what you're studying because here's one of the errors. One of I guess the best word is error. I was going to say fallacy, but error. The church has made that approaching that reality. We've put it all on, well, it's a generational curse. Yes. And we use that terminology. Yes. And and I'm not saying that there's not a spiritual component to it. I'm just saying that there's a little bit, it's a little more complex <laughs> yes. than that. And we recognize it. The old folk used to say, for example, if a woman was pregnant, don't scare her or don't let her be around dogs or snakes. Why? Because you're going to mark the baby. Wow. You, y'all ain't old, so you ain't never heard that. If you know of any old, if you ever know any old country people, that's what they would say. They wouldn't let a pregnant woman be around dogs or snakes or whatever, because mm-hmm. it would mark the baby. What they meant by that is trauma in the pregnant mother is going to impact the baby. That's what they meant by that. Yeah. Wow. So the old people understood that, but we have sort of flattened out the reality, and so you're absolutely right. So when we think about Family patterns, mm-hmm. family patterns of uh, family patterns of interaction, mm-hmm. um, and how that plays out. Family patterns of communication, even family patterns of eating, and that, all of that absolutely plays a part into it. So, yes, there's a spiritual component. I'm not denying that. Mm-hmm. I recognize that mm-hmm. oh, completely. But there's also this this tangible physical yeah. thing that's being passed down in terms of habits and customs and stuff like that. But there's also, we know, and you could talk to it, that trauma affects us yeah. genetically. Yes. And yes. so particularly as African-Americans, mm-hmm. when you start talking about generations of yes. that yeah. and how that's impacted us, what we have to do to, so my, my response to that is, I think that your study is very needed and that has been my experience and observation that if people do something as simple as even start examining their family trees and pressing in on the elders in the family that tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> daughter has, uh, within the last two or three years, has delved into heritage a lot. She's been doing a lot of family tree stuff. And she's been going on both sides, my my side, my wife's side, trying to figure out uh, the lineage and how we operated. Mm. And so she's finding uh, that there are very uh, similar traits in both sides. Ah. 
and and in and in that she's saying, well, how do I fit in that? Ah. What have I picked up from this or or that? And so she's so she's on got so in depth in it. A lot of her paintings is heritage type paintings ah. of lineage. And so what I'm yeah. I'm trying to get her to see is like. Um, the mental health piece, the epigenetic piece is that it's happening all around us all the time, every single day. Right. And we're not noticing it. Right. And so I want you to notice, Hey, did you see how you did that? Yeah. I remember I did that. I can remember seeing my grandmother doing that. Right. And so a lot of that stuff is passed on and on, but I'm just so proud that she's actually trying to figure out, you know, Hey, where's all this stuff coming from? That's a blessing. And we don't do that enough. So I did a a Sunday school series on unpacking your backpack because all of us have backpacks that are filled with stuff that our family is packed in there, but very seldom do we take the time to take it off and say, okay, now what in here don't I need? Now you don't need to throw away everything. (laughs) No, 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 absolutely. Oh man, this is useful. I'm glad they packed this in here. Yeah. Then there's other stuff you carrying that ain't even, it wasn't helping them. Nope. Let alone. (laughs) And helping us, right? (laughs) It's killing you. (laughs) So I think that that's, that's really insightful and really important it's it's it it was for me to see a young person take that type of information and say okay how is this affecting me yeah and so she's definitely done change through the years but now she's more in touch with who she is yeah and 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 life in general and the spiritual uh, part of her uh i think that's a beautiful thing yeah And, and i and i just wish that we can have opportunities for our young people to experience those things yeah and so in in transitioning though with with that same thought process our youth uh they're struggling how 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 do how do we reach them? Because we were talking off air, and and um, uh, her name is Reba Walker. She's a psychologist out of Texas, and she stated that after the uh, coronavirus hit, after COVID hit, the suicide rate for uh, Black Americans under eighteen uh, went up seventy one percent. What are we What are we doing, and what are we going to do? What, I mean, your, what's your thoughts on that? This is something that sort of keeps me up at night. I, I literally, with the people I were just having lunch with, we were talking sort of similarly about this mm-hmm. in terms of even the educational gap and yeah, yeah. a lot of the other things that were already happening to our young people. And now they're even further behind. And what are we going to do to help them recover? And I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm literally trying to figure it out. But a, a couple of thoughts strike me is that the people sometimes who are closest to the problem are closest to the solution. And so... We're going to need our young people. Let me say it this way. Our young people don't need to wait for the elders to come up with solutions. We need to give them voice and give them platform to help create and to promote their own solutions. So you said, and I I appreciate it. I I told you, I appreciate the (laughs) art that I see, Uh you know, your daughter has created. We need artists, um, musicians, Mm -hmm. poets, dancers, all of those young people to come to the forefront. When we think about the great movements in these yet to be United States that have brought about transformation, mm-hmm. it's always been led by young people. Yeah. And in this space, this mental health space, I think that our best hope is within the group that's being most deeply impacted. Wow. That as they, as we, I'm talking old heads now, I'm much older than you, but the ideas is, old heads who have some measure of influence or, mm-hmm. or platforms, we need to give them the mic yeah. 
and and get behind them and let them show us so that we're not doing stuff to them yeah. or doing stuff for them, but doing stuff with them yeah. as they say that, hey, this is what will be most helpful. Yeah. And then we resource that right. and follow their lead. I think that's the only hope that we have. Um, Alex, my, he's my young producer here. And I, I, I love him because uh, he studies what he does. Mm. And, and, I, and, and I say that to say is that self-expression is most important. And I think if we can allow our young people to have self-expression, because no matter what it is, like you said, music, art, whatever it is, we need to allow them to have self-expression. But I think they're looking and their apprehension is that uh, the older people or the older generation judges us. Yeah. And, and and I think at some point we need to just what you said, step back, take hands off and allow them to lead us. Yeah. And 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 show them and express to them some measure of humility that I'm not just in my terminology was not right. I was trying to get it right, but I don't even want to say let them mm -hmm. like I'm the. Yeah, right. Right. I'm holding on to it. And <laughs> well, hey, allow here's them, the keys. Right. Kid, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. It's like, look, I don't know. <laughs> I think you do know. Mm -hmm. So tell me what you need yeah. so that you can be healthy and I'll get behind you and make sure that you get it done. Wow. That type of thing. I think that they do need on top of that, our, not only our humility as it relates to, to following their lead, but I think they need our humility as it relates to, we ain't got it all together that, wow. that I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's best for you. I do know that there are certain principles that we need to, Keep yeah. in mind as it relates to respecting other people's dignity and mm -hmm. other people's worth and, you know, not denigrating uh, others, all those types of things. But outside some very basic boundaries, I'm willing to follow you wherever you, you're you're able to lead us. It will be healthy. But more importantly, I want to let you know that I'm not 100 percent myself, mm -hmm. that I'm still in process, because sometimes older people come off, particularly preachers come off like, well, I got the answers. I know it to do and I'm perfect no no every Sunday I tell the people look I'm I'm not perfect and we ain't got no perfect people in here <laughs> yeah. but we might be perfect for you as we yeah. walk together in process right. and in progress so I think humility is ultimately what's going to win the day uh, because I honestly don't have the answers other than trying to help build community yeah so that at least there's an ecosystem see mm -hmm. that's the other thing I think we have to there is no silver bullet old people like Old people like silver bullets. Y'all ain't old enough. But ask your granddaddy, your grandmama, your great granddaddy, grandmama. Old people always looking for something that's going to take everything out. So Watkins liniment. Yeah. Noni juice. Uh-huh. Casserole. Casserole. All that. Whatever. It's a one side. It, this will take care of everything. Yeah. Robitussin. No, it won't. Three sixes. It ain't going to cure everything. You know, you have to. So when it comes to these issues, particularly as it relates to our young people, we have to have a multi-pronged approach. Strangely enough, so we're getting ready to do this. And this is an example. So uh, me and uh, uh, Matt Simpson from Obongo yeah, Leadership yep, yep. and the mayor were talking. He was like, man, let's, who, let's do this. Whoever is doing something productive mm -hmm. that we can support with young people Let's pull them all together in one place yes. so the people can come and get their children signed up. Because hap what happens in Rockford is a lot of time, it's not that we're 
divided, we're disconnected. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. There's a lot of good things going on, but nobody yeah. even knows about it because the people who are doing it are trying so hard to keep getting it done. Yeah. They ain't got time to market it and advertise it. They're just trying to Get it save lives and yeah. do whatever. Yeah. And if people would know, know about it, they could support it. They could scale up all those types of things. Right. So that's an example of the fact that we need all hands on deck as it relates to our young people. Mm-hmm. We need the humility as older people to, you know, to listen and to learn and to support. But we need young people to step yeah. up yeah. and say that, okay, Superman ain't coming to save us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus has already died for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we got to figure out how to take this mantle. Yeah. And get this thing done uh, for our own, uh, for our own friends' sakes. Yeah. That is to say, our our friends are are leaving here, and I don't want to see that happen. So as a young person, yeah, even though I don't have a platform, I'm gonna figure. Out, I'm gonna do what I can. Yeah. And then I think that once we sort of create that, as I said, that ecosystem, there's not just one thing. We're doing a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Trying to work through the schools. They're have some programming on social emotional learning. Yeah. We're trying to do some summer programming through the church. Yeah. You know, uh, community centers are doing what we need all of that plus some more. I, I, I always say that no one uh, should, should sit around. Yeah. I think we all should work together. That's it. As a therapist, it, it does my heart some good to hear a pastor talking about, Get involved in mental health. It does my good, my heart good to have a teacher say, "Hey, how do I work with this kid?" I mean, we have to learn how to work with each other because right. we, we're interdependent people, so That's we it. need each other. That's it. And so, if we can find a way to say, "Okay, uh, Pastor is over here. He's doing this. You go over there and see him." Or Kevin is over here. He's doing this. You go see him. Right. We need that. That's right. So and and, and so I, I won't. I can't let you go without touching this because. Y- you, we're talking about pretty much being a conduit for yeah. all these different. You started a paralegal program in your church. Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? Because people need help. So there you go. The the even the mental health piece. It's not because that's something I wanted to do. It's yeah. something that a need came to me. I'm like, okay, somebody <laughs> got to do something. So I'm not going to wait for somebody. We're going to figure out something. Yes. So yeah, we have uh, a free legal clinic. It's called uh, New Zion Legal Clinic, but it's part of a larger movement, mm-hmm. Administer Justice. I'm on the board there. We And the goal is to create these gospel justice centers in in churches where people can get the hope of the gospel and the help of a lawyer. Okay. So we have literally, I'm not exaggerating here, we have like two of the top lawyers in the region mm-hmm. who just volunteer their time. They won't represent you in court, but if you come to the clinic mm-hmm. and it's for people who are, who have civil issues. Cause if you have a criminal oh, you issue, yeah. you got it's a public defender different. or whatever, but for civil situations, there's nothing in America where if you have a civil issue, you get ready to lose your house, get ready to lose whatever. You can't get free representation. And there's 48 million people a year who, uh, don't have access to the legal system who want to have access, but they don't have money. Yeah. So we started that and we're going to hoping to start, uh, actually there's probably about four or five other churches here in the community that we hope will open their doors up really soon. Mm-hmm. Cause the goal is to have it like wall, wall greens, not Walmart, yeah, wall, greens. wall greens. You can get the wall greens 10 minutes. Yep. Anywhere you anywhere go, where you go right. type of thing. Right. So after we get done with that, then we're launching our mental health ministry here in May. And the goal is to sort of try to figure out a way to duplicate that, the, same, that same model. 
and have a mental health resource center where we're focused more on prevention yep. and hygiene and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and trying to build out the ecosystem of mental health. I, um, You and I kind of briefly talked about that. We'll talk more about that later. But I think it's my opinion that I feel that every church, every any every business that serves people should have uh, some type of attachment or or uh, access to a, a therapist. Yeah, I, I, I believe that because I think, like you said earlier, our people are hurting. Yeah, and so if we can stop them or or address the issues right there, so I'm working on a manual called the Practicality of Mental Health, huh. which all you have to do is a, a few things. It's five steps that can help a person prior to getting to a therapist. Mm. Because what happens as as a therapist is that when you when we get when we get you you're in, still in crisis mode and we have to try to soothe you and calm you down in order to either start therapy. But if if you as a pastor can say, "Okay, let me go through these five steps and and help you through this and then get you to Kevin." Yeah. So when you get when he gets to me, then I'm automatically we're we're head, we're going forward. And that's what we need. Oh, that's exactly what we need. <laughs> and so I so so you and what you're doing trying to bring these entities together, I think that's awesome. I think that's noble and I also think it's brave because a lot of pastors don't step out on those type of issues. And uh so with that being said though, there are a lot of societal issues that are going on yeah. that sometimes the church are, is looked at in a different light because they take this stance or this stance or this stance. Yeah. And and I want to know from you, what's your personal feeling about where you as a leader in the church are taking your stance when it comes to mental health? So personally, um, as, a, as it relates specifically to mental health, we're trying to take the stance that as I said at the very beginning, number one, that you know, there's no sense in talking about being spiritually healthy if you are not connecting it to mental and emotional health. But then personally, I'm trying to model for my congregation by being transparent about my own struggles mm-hmm. and the fact, okay, I talked to my therapist or my counselor or mm-hmm. my friendship portfolio. So modeling as well as articulating from scripture that this is, you know, this is part of your growth as a person mm-hmm. to be able to tend to these matters. But as a church in general, I guess our stance would be that we want to make talking about mental health normal, that this is just what we do. We talk about everything else and we want to talk about this openly and honestly yes. to the extent that it should be a normal conversation. If somebody said, well, I need a new dentist. Somebody said, oh, go see Dr. So-and-so. Yeah. It should be a normal conversation. Okay, he says I need a therapist. I don't, should be five different people say, well, try mine. Right. <laughs> you know, because I've gotten right? good success yeah. from this person Absolutely. or that person. And that's not that we're denying prayer. Yeah, we pray every day, 7 a.m., 7 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, I teach you how to pray and fast. We just came off of fast. fast yeah. But when you get done praying and fasting, <laughs> if you if you had something growing out your neck, yeah, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to say, Dr. Washington's office is right over. <laughs> Go see him. Stop rubbing Robitussin on it. That ain't getting it type of thing. So we want to be practical and we want to be practical and helpful yeah. in our teaching so that we, to your point, we don't want to add trauma on top of trauma. 
We don't want to add spiritual abuse on top of whatever other abuse or trauma you've experienced. So that tool that you're developing, we need that like yesterday. Because we've done that with uh, sexual abuse. We had Rockford, what is it, sexual assault, Rockford sexual assault come out and do some training with our leaders. I got to do it again. Mm-hmm. Training with the leaders to say, okay, tell us what not to do. Yeah. So we don't mess somebody up before right? they can get over there. Because a lot of times saints will make will pour salt in a wound. Mm-hmm. The wound would have probably healed all right. But mm-hmm. the, a saint didn't come up with some crooked yeah. interpretation of scripture. Yeah. And to mess the person up worse. So by the time they get to you, yep. now you got to untwist whatever they yep. twisted, then deal with the wound. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's why I'm working on that manual because they all back screwed up. Okay. But, but um, yeah. So I do have to take this time to give you your flowers because um, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, it's much needed. It's much needed from clergy. It's much needed from leadership in the church. It's much needed throughout the community. And I I appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing. And and so before I end the show, and I always end it with uh, allowing the guests to leave advice. If you could leave anything, uh, what would you like to leave with the people? That's a good question. I think I would like to leave with everyone that time doesn't heal things. It's truth and grace Mm. plus time that heals things. And so don't just leave trauma untreated. Don't just watch yourself uh, repeat the mistakes of previous generations Mm. without taking the time to unpack, okay, why am I doing that? Now, they might have done it for a particular reason, but why am I still doing this? And, Mm -hmm. you know, is it serving me and serving the people I love well. Take the time to recognize that just ignoring a problem and say, well, in time it will heal, is not true. Yeah. That wound, that trauma needs, tr- number one, truth, mm-hmm. and it needs the grace of community coming alongside you, mm. and then time, over time, you'll see yourself getting better. But I know personally, and this is why I'm giving this advice, I know personally people who have, and some close to me, who have died in their 70s and 80s, even 90s, and were still hanging on to trauma from when they were yeah. kids and teenagers because yeah. they thought that time yep. will heal. Time will not heal. Grace and truth will heal. So make sure you get in a community where you can be transparent. Make sure you get the professional help that you can mm-hmm. and let the truth set you free. Those are the words of Dr. K. Edward Copeland. Um, He has graced us today with a great, great word. And it's almost sound like he was preaching, but he was he was all over that, that, uh, all over the mental health piece. But, you know, as always say that we all have the ability to change uh, our circumstances only if we focus on what we can change. Yes. And so we want to thank him for coming in. Also, guys, he will be at the Mental Health Forum, so you can hear more of that at the Forum of the Wisdom and the grace in which he spoke about mental health and how it is affecting the church, how as leaders they need to step up and uh, corral and be a community for people, and then also the inclusion of people that are not like us, that may not be uh, a Christian uh, or any other religion, but we have to accept them for who they are as well. Don't forget to subscribe 
Uh, follow me anywhere you see Mentality Unchained. And thank you again, Reverend Copeland, for showing up. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right.